Hey, everybody. Welcome to Punk Rock HR. I'm Lori Rudiman. My guest today is my childhood best friend, April Matan. April's on the podcast today because she caught coronavirus. Actually, got it from her husband who got it at work. On today's episode, April talks about navigating the diagnosis, testing, her recovery, and shares her thoughts about returning to work. But we also talk about what an absolute cluster this whole COVID response has been. So many people have dropped the ball from politicians who called it a hoax to supply chains that didn't prepare themselves for a pandemic to businesses and leaders and IT departments that didn't really understand or allow people to work from home. If you don't know anybody who's tested positive for COVID-19, lucky you, because it's scary. And as a friend, I don't think I've ever felt more helpless. My challenge for you today is to learn from April's experiences and stop for a second and think critically about whether or not you want to return to work and put people in jeopardy. After listening to April and what she's been through, I think you might think twice about rushing back to work. April, first of all, welcome to this podcast. Well, thank you. I feel honored to be on it. Yeah. I mean, it's a weird evolution in our friendship. So before we get started with all this like nonsense around the pandemic, do you remember how we met? Yes. At the Chopin Park Day Camp. (laughs) Yes. That's... It was very specific. Yes. My memory is that it's like, I first met you in 1987, but we became buddies in 1988. Is that right? Yes, that's correct. Oh my God. You were counseling, I think, another age group. Yeah. And I was lying about my age in order to counsel it so I could get paid. Yeah. Versus like... You had to be 13, right? Yeah. And in 1987, I was 12. Wow. And I remember that with your first paycheck, you bought a pair of white fringe boots. (laughs) I don't remember that, but I do remember the boots. They were very late 80s. That's for sure. Yep. Maybe they didn't have fringe, but they were definitely white. No, they did have fringe down the back. And I thought I was like part Madonna and part, I don't know. I don't know what I thought. Urban cowgirl. Yeah. And I've not seen those come back in style, which tells me they were never in style. (laughs) God, terrible. Well, why were you going to day camp? I know I was going to day camp because my family just didn't want us around during the summer. So you and your sister were going. Why were you there? Right. Well, because we were chubby kids. And if they didn't send us to day camp, we'd sit and watch TV and eat snacks all summer. So my mom thought it would keep us active. (laughs) Wait, we did eat snacks at day camp, though. (laughs) Yes, but I was more active than had I sat home watching TV and eating snacks. Oh, my God. And I don't remember when we were counselors, what age group we had. Do you? 10-year-old girls. Oh, that might be why I really don't like 10-year-old girls. Although I love my niece Sawyer, but generally that's a tough age. That's hard. Yeah, they were horrible. Oh, God. All right. So we've known one another for like a quarter of a century, you know, or longer. I can't do math. Yeah, yeah. At least. So you got sick with COVID and I just read a statistic that 40% of people in America know somebody who's been sick, but 60% don't. And I think that's contributing to the fact that people are like, oh, it's not so bad. And they're like hearing internet rumors and believing that because they don't have anybody in their lives who's been sick. And so I wonder when did you first start feeling sick and what were some of those symptoms? 
Well, I start feeling sick the first week of April. And I think the most important thing for everyone to understand is that you might not get the classic symptoms. And so you might be sick and not know you have COVID. So I didn't have the classic symptoms. I wasn't coughing at all, but I knew I had it. I knew I had it. Well, wait, let me ask you, who gave it to you? My husband. (laughs) Where did he get it? From work. All right. So when you first started feeling sick, you didn't have the classic symptoms of coughing up a lung, right? It kind of crept up on you. What was that like? Yeah, I did not have the classic symptoms. I got a fever and I was cold and I had chills and achy. Then I got better after two days and I thought, oh, well, I got a really mild case. And then it hit where I had a high fever for days at a time. Everything hurt. My whole entire body hurt. I had no energy. I could barely get out of bed. I couldn't taste anything. So it was really hard to keep myself hydrated because everything tasted horrible to me. I couldn't eat. Oh, this is terrible. Didn't you also have some gastrointestinal symptoms? That came later. So that came towards the end of... So I had the symptoms of like the fever, the ache, all of the, you know, the loss of taste first. And just no energy. I couldn't get out of bed for like four days at a time. I didn't shower. I didn't brush my teeth. And then when I start feeling a little bit better where I could move around, then I had the gastric distress. Oh, and it's not even the kind of gastric distress you get after eating like a big Sunday or like a big dinner kinda, where it's worthwhile. Yeah, but it wasn't worth it. Nothing. I could eat like nothing and everything would send me straight to the bathroom. Or conversely, I would go days without going to the bathroom and get really nervous. Oh, that's even worse. Oh, it is. And then my, I was really bloated. My stomach was bloated. It felt horrible and hard. Like a little rock was stuck there. (laughs) Well, I talked to you very early on in the process, like within the first couple of days. And for me, what I heard in your voice scared the shit out of me because you didn't sound like you were taking in a lot of air and you sounded like an old woman. I think COVID added like 25 years to your voice. It was really freaky. I had no energy. Like I couldn't talk on the phone. I couldn't text. I didn't have the energy to lift up my hand to pick up my phone to answer my text. I was so exhausted and weak. So you were sick and your husband was also sick. So who took care of the house? Who took care of the dogs? He's got children. You have stepdaughters. Like how did that all get sorted? Well, we luckily sent the stepdaughters to stay with their mother. So that was one less thing we had to worry about. But luckily, the way it happened is my husband was feeling better just as I got it. And so he was able to take care of me and he did everything. And what'd you do with the dogs? Because, you know, they need attention, right? Especially your dogs. They like to get up and roam around. Yes. Well, they must have sensed something because they were really low key and a lot less demanding than they normally are. And they didn't require a lot. And my little dog, Maxie, he was attached to my hip. He wouldn't leave me alone. And he would come over and he'd put his head on my pillow and I'd push his snout away because I didn't want to give it to him because we don't know if we can give it to pets yet. I mean, there's information. No, you can't. Yes, you can. You might. And he would put his little snout real close to my face and I'd push him away and he just would not leave me alone. Oh, they know. They really know, don't they? I think so. They were just so well-behaved and not as demanding as they normally are. Like they weren't asking to go out constantly. They weren't barking for their walks or whining for food. They were just really low-key and just kind of sat near us. 
Well, you've got an older mom and a sister who's a nurse. So were they helpful during COVID? Were they freaked out? Like what was your family? No, they were very not helpful. (laughs) My mother was hysterical and I didn't even tell my mother initially. And then when I finally told her, she freaked out. And I said, mom, I've been feeling sick. Now that we know it's COVID, it doesn't change anything. She was hysterical. She would call me crying. And I would tell my sister how I really felt because she's a nurse and I wanted her opinion. But then I would tell my mother, you know, I wasn't as bad as I was until it was all over. But April, anybody who heard your voice knew it was just a dead giveaway how crappy you felt. Well, you eventually, you talked to your doctor. Did you do like telemedicine? Like how did that work? And then you went and got tested. So tell us all about how that worked out. Because a lot of people, you know, they think, oh, I'm going to go to the ER, right? You know, and you didn't do that. You called your doctor. So what happened? Well, actually, my husband, Dave, started feeling sick. And he called his doctor and he set up a telemedicine meeting. And he spoke with his doctor and the doctor was extremely informative and said that we could go on our group health site and fill out a survey. And based on that survey, it would tell us if we're eligible to be tested. So Dave did that and Dave didn't have enough symptoms to qualify. So they told him, don't get tested, according to this website. So when I got these symptoms about a week or two later... I did the same thing. I went on the website. I filled out the survey. The survey said, yes, you qualify. And then it sends you to a testing center. So it gives you an address and you have to bring the letter that's emailed to you from this website or you have to print that out. So you either bring the letter or you bring it on your phone. You get your letter and you go drive yourself to get a test to some sort of site, right? Some physical location. What's that like? Who's there? Well, there is a big parking lot with a bunch of cones to lead you to the correct place and there's checkpoints. So you drive into the parking lot of this healthcare center and you stop at one checkpoint and they come up to you with a sign that says, do not roll your window down. So I just pull up, I don't roll my window down (laughs) and they speak to me through the window and they ask to see my letter. So I show them the letter that I had printed they make a note and then they tell me where to go next. So then you follow their directions around the cones to the next checkpoint. And then at that checkpoint, they tell you to stop your vehicle and wait in line. And there is a trailer set up and next to the trailer is like a canopy and you wait your turn because there's cars in front of you. You don't get out of your car. You don't roll your window down until they tell you. So then you pull up right underneath the canopy next to the trailer And the workers come out and they're completely covered from head to toe with gloves, gowns, like a visor in front of their face with like a a shield. And they tell you to roll down your window. They get some information from you, your name, your birth date, all of that. By the way, I don't know if my insurance is covering this or if they even submitted it at this point. I have no clue. I never have received a bill for it. So, And then they swab your mouth. And they take this long swab and they swab all the way in back of your throat. And of course, I'm gagging. I'm like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And the test person said, oh, it's okay. Don't worry. We're going to try one more time. And she sticks the swab all the way down. And then she said, okay, we're done. And I said, thank you. Thank you so much. I'm sorry. And she said, I hope you feel better. She was so nice. And then I rolled up my window and drove home. Oh, my God. Well, that's actually easier than I thought it would be. But 
I wonder who that person was behind the PPE, if they were a nurse or if they were just someone who's like a CNA or someone trained to do the testing. Do you have any idea? None. And I I thought about it and I thought, God, I wish I could do something nice for them because it was cold out that day. And I thought, well, what could I do? You know, nothing's open. And if I bring them something, it's going to be contagious because I'm contagious. (laughs) Yeah. Don't bring them donuts. (laughs) Right. I really wanted to bring them something like donuts. And I thought I can't do anything for them. Well, what you can do is get healthy, right? And recover. That's what you can do. And then I don't know donate blood. There's probably all sorts of stuff you can do. Have you looked into that, donating your sick antibodies? I have, yes. I'm waiting to hear back from Dave's doctor because my doctor doesn't call me back. (laughs) Oh, God. So wait a second. So when you did this telemedicine, you're right. I heard this in your story. Your husband's doctor was Johnny on the spot with you know a website and recommendations. Where's your doctor? So I called her once I received the results which by the way, they told me would take three days to get the results. They called me the next day with the results. You were that sick. They knew like they didn't even have to run like a second test. You were that I Ill. guess. I guess they called me the next day and I spoke to someone, I don't know who, because I was in a fever induced fog, but she answered all my questions. She was very informative and she told me the CDC would be contacting me. So after I got the results, I called my doctor and I left her a message because obviously she's not working. And she didn't call me back. Wait, wait, she may be working. She may just be working like with sick people elsewhere, right? And overwhelmed. Good point, good point. Should we give her the benefit of the doubt? I don't know. Okay, let's, I have been seeing her for several years, so let's give her the benefit of the doubt. (laughs) She's like, April who? (laughs) Right? So yeah, I left her a message. I said, she's not in the office and we'll leave her this message. And she didn't call me back. So the next day I call again and I speak to someone and I leave a message and the woman I'm speaking to on the answering service says, well, I think this is an emergency. Let's put this down as an emergency. And I'm like, okay, I kind of think it is, but yeah, you know, your call. So finally, because I had left a message that it was an emergency, my doctor called me back and she answered some of my questions and I told her what was going on. And that's about it. She didn't say much more than what my husband's doctor had said. Well, that's not very helpful. So wait, you said the CDC was going to contact you. Have they done that yet? They did via text. Whoa. And what was that like? They just asked me basic questions about like how long I was sick and what the symptoms were and who I was in contact with. And they didn't ask specifics. I thought they were going to ask more specific questions, but they did not. Hmm. So, you know, everybody's talking about opening up the country again. And so first of all, a lot of people are saying, I would take the risk of going to work because this is just like the flu. So is it just like the flu? You know, I think it depends. I I think the scary thing is, you know, some people have a really mild case that's easier than the flu. Some people have something that's akin to the flu. Some people obviously have it a lot worse and end up hospitalized and on respirators. So that's the scary part is you don't know. I'm really healthy. I had thought, had I gotten it, that it would be a walk in the park. And it wasn't. It was really hard. And yet your husband bounced back, it sounds like a little faster and had less severe symptoms. A little faster. Yeah. Different symptoms. He only had a really low fever for a few days and he was coughing from the start. But he also, it took him longer to get his energy back. Huh. You know, the other thing they say is that we can go to work and we can socially distance from one another and we can protect ourselves. But you and your husband live in the same house. You share the same surfaces. You gave it to one another. Do you think it's realistic to go to work and keep it clean? No, 
Absolutely not. Yeah, that's terrible. I'm really worried because I think we're going to rush back to work. We're going to make all sorts of assumptions about COVID and then we're going to have another spike. And there are business leaders and HR professionals and executives who listen to this podcast. And one thing we didn't mention is that you used to work in human resources, right? Now you work as a dental hygienist because I don't know, is that better? (laughs) (laughs) Well, not really because now survey results have come out about the jobs that put you at highest risk for getting COVID. And the number one job that puts you at high risk for COVID is dental hygiene. Oh, of course. Well, you're in someone's face. Yeah, absolutely. And there's lots of germs flying around. So I wonder if you have any advice from that perspective, because you're a healthcare worker and you also have this background in HR. What do you think about this rush to get people back to work? What are your general thoughts? It's a very bad idea, very bad idea, even though there's so much information about how contagious it is. People who don't have a healthcare background don't understand. I understand how cross-contamination and germs, how that works, because I had a lot of education about how to control germs. Otherwise, people don't quite understand, you know, wash your hands, yes, but They don't understand how the virus travels through the air. So I think going back to work would be horrific. I think that management needs to really put a plan in place for people who are working. You know, a lot of executives and business owners say this. If we let people work from home, how do we know they're working? And then the other thing they say is, if we let them work from home, how do we get them back to the office? So what do you think about those two statements? Ridiculous. If the work's getting done, then you know they're working. That's how you know. You set expectations. As long as those expectations are being met, does it matter where they're working from? Yeah, I don't disagree. But a lot of people say collaboration happens best in an office. And also, it's easier to follow up on people with performance issues when they're in the office versus at home. I don't know about that. I think collaboration is important. And so I think there are times when you have to be in an office or it's ideal to be in an office. But I think in this situation, you're not working in an ideal world. You're working in, we're going to do the best we can. Yeah, I don't disagree. I don't disagree. Well, as we wrap up the conversation, April, I mean, you've been through a lot over the past couple of weeks. Like, seriously, like your whole body has been affected. And we don't know like the long-term impact of COVID on your health, on your lung health, on your overall health. What do you want people to know from this conversation? I think take it seriously and understand that you may not present with the classic symptoms of COVID. So if you're sick, you may have it and not have the symptoms that you think that are the classic symptoms. So be careful and take it seriously. Yeah, I love that. You know, I never would have guessed all those years ago when we were kids or we'd go out dancing or we'd go to concerts or just whatever, travel together, go to Vegas, that we would be on an HR podcast talking about a pandemic. (laughs) You're right. You're right. I would not have guessed that. This is insane, April. This is not how I saw my life or yours, but oh my God, I'm glad you're on the other side of this. Thank you. Thank you for checking up on me constantly. Well, you know, there are very few people I give a shit about. I mean, let's just be honest here. So (laughs) when one of them gets sick with something like this, it is super important to me that you came through this. And I'm so glad. And, you know, I love you. Oh, I love you too. Well, April, thanks again for being a guest today. And maybe you can come back and talk about something else at some point in the future. No problem. 
Hey, everybody. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with April Matan. In my life, we affectionately call her AP. We did not do that on this podcast because I wasn't sure if it was going to translate, but I'm so glad AP has recovered. Load off my shoulders. If you want to hear this episode again or hit up my website for resources, you can head on over to laurierudeman.com forward slash punkrockhr dash 105. This episode was produced by Danny Osmond and his team at Emerald City Production, and I'm really grateful for how responsive they've been during the coronavirus. Curious about podcasting? Got some time on your hands, do you? Yeah, just like everybody, you can head on over to emeraldcitypro.com, and Danny has all sorts of free information about starting your own podcast. That's all for today, and I hope you enjoyed it. We'll see you next time on Punk Rock HR. Punk Rock HR.